Philippians 3, verses 1 to 21. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are in the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for the confidence in flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider what I have made, in my own, made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in, Je in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The word of the Lord. I guess we should have got a stool for Jeannie to sit down while she was reading as well. A um, couple of things as we jump into this passage. Um, one, I'm the one who chooses how these things get broken down, and I don't know why I thought a, pass, a whole chapter would be good to preach on. Uh, but, but we have, and that's where we're at. And so I sort of feel like, I don't know if you had this guy here, but in the States, when we, uh, there was a, a FedEx, Fed, Federal Express, is a delivery service uh, that's supposed to be next day, or at least next next day. And you, I know you have we have those here, but uh, their commercials, in particularly in the 80s and 90s, had a had a particular guy who could speak 
really fast. As a matter of fact, he holds the Guinness World Book uh, uh, record for the ability to speak really, 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 really fast. And so I, there's a part of me that has this temptation right now to imitate him a little bit, to get as much in as I can, as quickly as I can. So if you would help me uh, not do that, we're going to do a little practice here. I want everybody just to, to kind of stand, sit where you're at, and then we're going to breathe in and breathe out. We're going to breathe in and breathe out. Now, some of you know that's dangerous for me because I could pass out again, but let's try it one more time. Let's <laughs> breathe in, breathe out. Okay, doesn't that feel a little bit better? Does your heart rate seem to go down just a little bit? You're not quite as frenetic as maybe you were feeling uh, at the beginning. Or at least as you heard me speaking about somebody talking really fast and having to get all sorts of information in for you. But let's one more time just to help me out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Boy, it really does seem foreign to us, though, doesn't it? To, to take that moment to, to breathe in and to breathe out. It seems foreign to us to stop and rest, to sit back and assume that things will be okay, that things are going to work out the way that they're supposed to work out. I, I mean, it seems foreign to us because in the back of our minds, we're thinking, good night, preacher, get on with it. We've got morning tea to get to. Good night, preacher. The sun is shining and it's beautiful outside. and There's things to see and people to talk to and lunch to be had. It, it seems so foreign to us because we think to ourselves, I've got job that I've got to get to maybe tomorrow. And maybe if you don't have a, a career or a job that way anymore, you have things that you know you want to accomplish each day. Perhaps you have it in your phone with little reminders that pop up for you. Or, or maybe it's that you still use a paper calendar. And that's okay. There's no shame in that. And you write out your things so that you can keep track of what's supposed to happen. And maybe you're like me, and you go and you look at them, and you go, yep, I've got to check that off, and check that off, and check that off. But, but to feel that sort of breath go into your lungs, to, to reach deep within yourself, and then to exhale it out as, as sort of a prayer, a call to say, I, I can sit still. It's so foreign to us. And maybe you think to yourself, oh, I don't do that in my real life, but in my spiritual life, I mean, in my real life, I'm always nervous and always worried, but in my spiritual life, I'm okay. I, I've got that figured out. I mean, God, I give it to God and God takes over. But then you look at your life and you think to yourself, am I serving in the church? And uh, did I get up and read my Bible today? And did I make sure that I was nice to my neighbor? And is everybody around me recognition that I'm a, a believer and that I'm not uh, overshining, but I'm shining just enough? I don't want to be offensive to them, but I definitely want them to know because if they don't know, then Jesus might not say my name to the Father. 
And even in the sermon series that we've had, you might have looked at Philippians and we've talked about rejoice and joy and you think to yourself, I've got to muster up some joy. I keep hearing from the preacher that I've got to have joy, that there's joy in the gospel advancing and there's joy in strong relationships like we heard last week from Mike and there's joy in life and death and I've got to work that up. I'm just not joyful enough. I mean, sure, I smile every once in a while and I feel happy on occasion, but obviously I'm going to be a good Christian, a right Christian, the kind of Christian that people will look up to, the kind of Christian that people will admire, the kind of Christian that the preacher will be okay with, then I probably need to be more joyful. I need to smile more. I need to be happy. And it's just that easy, really, for us in our flesh and on our hearts to move from that call that we hear to rest and be joyful in what God has done to a frenetic pace to this I've got to do and accomplish to this thing where we move all the completed righteousness of Christ onto ourselves and that we've got to do something. And it's in this passage that Paul says, Have joy in the restful response of Christ's complete righteousness. He starts off and he says to us, Rejoice, finally, brothers. Not finally like I'm wrapping up, like any good preacher does. My last point and then goes on for another 15 minutes. That's not what he's doing here. He doesn't write another two chapters. He's saying finally, or continuing on. In light of what you've heard before, now even more so, hear this. Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble at all, and it's safe to you. Think think about that just real quickly, just as an aside. What is it that brings us safety in the gospel? What is it the thing that shines about the secureness that we feel in our placement in Christ? Joy. And not just joy, not just having joy, but actually the action of expressing joy. That we rejoice in restful response. We rejoice in hearing what God has done. We rejoice in the letting go. We rejoice. So he reminds us, rejoice. But he wants to point out that there are those that are among the midst of the, uh, of the Philippian church in that gathering, and there are those, sadly, among our midst, and sometimes it can even be me, who want to add things to this rejoicing. They want to add things to the completed righteousness of God. He talks about them in two places in this chapter. The first one is right at the beginning. He says, look out for those dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. He's talking about when we did uh, talked about Galatians and preached through Galatians. These are the people that are the Judaizers. They're wanting to bring something Jesus plus something else to the equation of salvation. Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus following the feast. Jesus plus every Sunday church attendance. Although, let me just say, I really like you to be here every Sunday. I think it's good and right. Doesn't save you. And then later on in the chapter, he ends and says this. For many 
of whom I have often told you, and now I tell you, even with tears, walk as an enemy of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame with minds set on earthly things. See, they're the ones that have their minds set on the things that they can accomplish, the things that they can do, the things that they feel are going to build them up, the things that cause us to get... And Paul's saying... Now, Paul's really great here because he's kind in a way to them. Because he wants them to recognize these, these mutilators of the flesh, these dogs, these evildoers, these ones that have uh, bellies that they want to fill up with earthly things. That doesn't, and none of that sounds kind, does it? But he's kind because he reminds them of who he was. You see, he reminds them of his testimony. He reminds them that he once was one that put confidence in the flesh. He says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of the God, the glory in Jesus Christ, and we put no confidence in the flesh, though I have the ability to do that. For I am circumcised on the eighth day. I am the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. By the way, those are all just accidents of birth. He happened to be born to parents that were from the nation of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin who would follow the rules and have him circumcised. But then he says, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. And he has this idea, and he's pointing out to them that if, if you guys, you, you mutilators of the flesh, you, you guys that are enemies of the gospel of grace, if, if you want to have confidence, I've got more. Here are the things that I can tell you about myself. The son of a preacher's man. Who's the son of a preacher's man? been in the church since the day I was born. A mover of chairs, a setter up of tables from the age of four. One who knew the books of the Bible, never having read them, before I was eight. Able to make hospital calls and give mercy to people by the time I was 16. Starting ministries within the church. Attending Bible college. Receiving degrees. Accredited and or ordained in multiple denominations and non-denominations. Raising up children in the way they should go most of the time. If you want to brag about the flesh, bring it on. I'm more than happy to compare your lineup to mine. Oh yes, I don't necessarily always have a daily devotion. But at least I pray every day. Oh sure, there are sins in my life that I would never want you to know about. But I'm not going to tell you about them, so it's okay. Because, you know, when Paul says, as to the law, blameless, 
he knew he wasn't. See, and it's easy to put confidence in the flesh, but it's a desperate trap for us. See, because we put confidence in the flesh because we built it among the scheme that we come up with. And we say, well, as long as I do these things that I've already been doing and accomplished, then I'll be good. And sometimes maybe we even take some external schemes. Why? Because we know we can get them. We want them to be possible for us to accomplish. But all that it really does is it causes us to move away from and move to the work. Paul recognizes that. And he lays out what is good and right about himself. And then at the end, he says this. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Now that's not a gain as in attain, like grab a hold of Christ. That's not, by by forfeiting all my rights, by putting aside all these things, I've now, uh, I, I deserve this. Gain here means to acquire the knowledge, the understanding, and it's not just head knowledge here he's talking about. He's talking about experiential knowledge. It's actually walking with that person. It's that idea that with someone who is close to me as we live life together, I continue to gain in my own heart and in my own mind and in my whole being an understanding of who that person is most completely because we are together walking, experiencing, speaking, loving one another. So he says, to gain Christ, for I found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith, a righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. That's hard. (laughs) Not only do we rejoice in our restful response, but in rejoicing in our restful response, it moves us into the place of Christ and the power of his resurrection. And when we live in that power, then we will experience suffering. We'll experience suffering internally because there are things within our lives that will be changing. There are things that we've held on to as idols in our hearts, things that we've put on the thrones of our hearts that have to be torn away from us. And we've put all sorts of things upon it and all sorts of reliance upon it and all sorts of love and emotion upon it. And when it's taken away, it seems absent to us because it's something we thought was good, we believed would help us to attain to righteousness, and it's not. And that will cause suffering in our hearts because we'll have to be transformed in that but we will also have suffering on the outside because there are things that will change about our lives there are things about how we interact with people as we begin to delight in all those around us because we see them as God's creatures there will be those people among us who will say how can you hang out with them and that will be hard 
and even beyond us and beyond where we're at, let's just go a little bit further and we recognize the suffering that goes on for those within the world who are persecuted because of righteousness that they hold in Christ. And yet we rejoice in restful response to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. What does the power of the resurrection do? It means that you have a brand new life. It means that those things that you might have thought filled you up and made you who you were are no longer applicable to you that you now have a brand new identity in Christ, that you have a new life, that's the power of the resurrection, a new identity that rests firmly in who Christ is. And what a mystery. We can't even begin to unpack it, especially in a 20-minute sermon. But what we see Paul doing and saying is to, as we continue on is to say, look, look around you. There are those who step into this new life well. Find them. Imitate them. Learn from them. That's what he says there. He says, brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eye on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And what is that example? It's this. I have restful response to the righteousness that is Christ that has been given to me and it causes me to rejoice. And he says this, not that I've already obtained it, not that I've already doing this perfectly, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has what? Made me his own. It's not because I'm going to attain it myself, but it's because I am known and made known and this beautiful mystery, this truth that transforms all my truth is given to me in Jesus Christ. So I don't consider that I've already made it But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So when I... And then I say, press on. (laughs) Which is it, Pastor? Is it, or is it press on? Well, shake yourself free of your dualistic mind. (laughs) Shake yourself free from the fact that you can't hold two things that seem to be opposing at the same time. Here's the beauty. Christ was perfect in every way. Completely obedient to God 
and his call. Christ, who was in every way 100% human, but in all that he did, pursued righteousness and truth and mercy, who stood as God's prime example, prime manifestation, complete of his ever-pursuing steadfast love, became unrighteousness, died on a cross, and rose again, but died on a cross. That is antithetical. Good people, true people, perfect people don't die on a cross. Yet, he did. In order for us to walk in restful response to his righteousness. We've become his righteousness. It is not an either or. It is not a, I need to rest or I need to push forward. No, it is a both and. Because in my resting, in that response, that rejoicing of Christ has done it all, it moves me both internally and externally to step into the places of Christ's righteousness that I already possess. And so I become one who delights and all those around me. I become one who can't get enough of knowing what God wants to say, not just to me, but to the whole world. And so I dive deeper into the passage of scriptures. I dive deeper into his word. I dive deeper into community, into the church that calls me together. I dive deep. Why? Because I need to press on to the goal that God has called me for. As I stand up and I And it is the deepest rejoicing that we can do. When we know we no longer have to work to attain something, when we know that our striving that we feel like always ends in defeat, doesn't. Because God takes it all and transforms it into the righteousness of Jesus. So Paul encourages you. Find those who keep steeping, stepping deeper and deeper into this knowledge. Find those who, who keep walking in this path. Find those who can look at you in the eye and say, wait, wait just a minute. Can you do this with me? Can you rest in Christ's righteousness? Look, if you're here and you've not been following Christ, you, you're not sure that this is even true. I, I, I just I have one thing to say to you. I know often we're not very good at telling you, well, the truth of God's pursuit of you and the fact that he's done it all. And the fact that you don't have to do anything save receive and hear and in faith say, this is true. I accept you and all that you're saying to me. 
Sometimes we put little things on the side and say, you got to do this and this and this and this and this as well. Hear me. We're a gathering of people here who are so imperfect. If you just hang out with us for a little bit, you'll recognize, man, it must be only Jesus that saves them. So hang out with us. And allow Jesus to sing over you. And to call you to the place where you will be all you've ever thought you should be in Christ. And those things that are not congruent with those things, with what Christ has called you to be, he'll deal with those. But he will make you his child. He longs to do it. And for those of us who've been walking this path, get off the treadmill of false faith. Get off the stairmaster of believing you can do it. Recognize that in Christ you are being transformed daily into His image. You are moving from an earthly concern to a heaven concern. And that He continues to pour into you His righteousness. And breathe. Breathe deep the breath of God. Let's practice. Father God, hear these words. Let them be yours. Let them bring you glory and honor. If they're not, let them fade away. But if they are, let them take root in our lives so that they will go forth in our hearts and the hearts of those we encounter and bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.